Hey everybody, this is Rob Arnold from Camira, and you're listening to Iron City Rock. Welcome to episode 78 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John. The Iron City Rocks podcast is a podcast devoted to promoting Pittsburgh's rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues music scene. Episode 78, we had the opportunity to talk to Camira's guitarist, Rob Arnold. Now, Camira is going to be coming into Pittsburgh to do an Iron City Rocks present show at Mr. Small's Theater. It'll be Camira with special guest Impending Doom, Doth, this or the Apocalypse, and Local Boys Hollow Point. So to get you guys in the mood for the show, we're going to play some tunes from some of the bands on the bill that night. We're going to start off with a song from Doth. This song is called Destruction Restoration from Doth.
All right, the song you just heard was Subverse from This or the Apocalypse. I'm going to play another song now from another band on the bill that night. There Will Be Violence is the track from a band called Impending Doom. You can find out more information about them at myspace.com forward slash impending doom. Again, There Will Be Violence. Again, and pending doom with there will be violence. Before we get into uh, Chimera, I want to remind you to go to ironcityrocks.com. There you'll find nominations for the 2010 Pittsburgh Rock Music Awards, where we've got categories for best metal, best blues, best rock, best alt rock, uh, all the specific instruments. We've got uh, best players, we've got best promoter. Uh, things like that. So we invite you to go there. Also, you can find our concert calendar, which is a um, consolidation of a lot of 
different sources of concert dates for Pittsburgh. We've got local promoters, national touring acts, all kind of consolidated on one screen, so we invite you there. You can check out our blog. Uh, we've got some show reviews, some CD reviews of uh, some national uh, recording artists as well. So invite you to take a look at all that stuff. We're on Facebook, MySpace, Twitter, etc. So we invite you to join us. Uh, and we're going to get into the interview now with uh, Rob Arnold. Rob, a uh, great guitarist for the band Chimera. Uh, want to uh, mention one thing. In the interview, I did make a mistake. I mentioned that the show was at Alter Bar. It is not at Alter Bar. The show is at Mr. Small's Theater. You can get information at opus1productions.com, uh, links to buy tickets, etc. So before we get into the interview with Rob, I'm going to play a song from the 2009 release from Chimera. This is a song called Destroy and Dominate. <laughs>
Sure. Ladies and gentlemen from the band Chimera, Rob Arnold. How are you doing today, Rob? Doing well. Thanks for having me. No problem. Hey, we um, have got uh, fortunate to have you coming into town on November 28th to play the Altar Bar uh, as part of a pretty cool package tour that features Impending Doom, Doth, and This or the Apocalypse. So we wanted to uh, kind of uh, introduce Chimera to people who may not be familiar with the band. For those who are familiar with the band, just kind of catch up with you uh, and see what's going on. Now, you guys are out of Cleveland, am I correct? That is correct. Okay, well, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> uh, I know the uh, the Pittsburgh uh, Cleveland rivalry. It, it doesn't it doesn't come into play with uh, with metal though. At least not that no. I know of. You know? No, no one's going to be talking Colt McCoy. Uh, right. The show that <laughs> night. Um, you grew up. You were a, a child of the '80s. I mean, you kind of grew. You were born in the '80s. Is that correct? I was born in I was born in 1980. So yes. Okay, so you're you're enough younger than I am. I'm just curious, like what you listened to growing up. They kind of got you to be the player that you are. Well, uh, growing up, my sister—I had a sister who was uh, five years older. So, um, you know, as I was probably like as young as eight years old, seven, eight years old, she would have like Bon Jovi and Motley Crue, Skid Row, stuff like that, blasting, uh, blasting from her room when she's getting ready in the morning or after school and stuff like that. And so I really caught on to that, and um, then got an interest in the guitar right around that time, like third grade. I started playing, and uh, you know, just discovered metallica and megadeth slayer sepultura pantera uh all that stuff and it just all hit me at once so from those years right around being 9 10 11 years old i was just consumed with metal and playing guitar and uh it was such a fun time period just when you discover you know a new genre of music that you weren't into before or, or even music for the first time discovering music like I, I didn't really care about music before that but then hearing eddie van halen play and having a little guitar and amp in my room just <laughs> being like trying to mimic that stuff and everything that was those are some fun times yeah it was i mean that was you you came along just in time before unfortunately kind of like 1992 came along and mm. and the guitar sort of disappeared so you were lucky enough to catch it before it was gone mm. now can you talk a little bit about how chimera formed uh yeah back in uh, uh nine, late late 98 um there were some uh, local bands around Cleveland that uh, the current Camira band members were in, um, but but hadn't formed together yet. And uh, Mark Hunter, our singer, he was in a band with, with Jim Lamarck, our bass player, and uh, Matt DeVries, our other guitar player, was in a band with our original guitar player, Jason Hagar, called Ascension, and uh, our drummer Andals and I were in a different band. And uh, kind of after high school, and guys started doing their own thing, and bands started dissolving because people were doing real-life things, like going away to college and stuff like that. There was a few of us that stuck out, kind of maybe as the local all-stars or something like that, that wanted to do it for real and, and uh, make a career out of it. And so we kind of just came together and um, didn't let anything get in our way in terms of uh, you know jobs or any other priorities or things like that. We knew that what it take what it, what it was going to take was being there together five, six days a week in the practice space and uh, just trying to hone in on what we were capable of and, and design a craft and uh, really try to get out there and do it without knowing what it, what we had to do at the time, except just dedication is, is the only thing that we, we knew we had to uh, really embrace back then. And we did that. And, uh, you know, 10 years later, through a lot of hard work, perseverance, good luck and chemistry, um, you know, we're here still, uh, still rocking and been around the world numerous times. And uh, we're very fortunate, especially with, with how tough it is to do this with metal these days. Yeah, no, I mean, one of the things I've heard, and I don't, I mean, it's kind of hard to put statistics on this, is that Cleveland has 
a pretty decent metal scene. Would you, would you say that was pretty fair at the time? I know Mushroom Head obviously came out of that area. Uh, yeah, definitely, especially around that time. Um, you know, Mushroom Head was definitely big, and they still are. They're still like still pull heads. You know, every time they play, and um, uh, you know, hardcore. The hardcore scene was kind of dying around, dying down around that time. But uh, there were a couple big, uh, three big big hardcore bands ringworm integrity and one life crew all coming out of cleveland um so there was a real good club scene um we had this area called the flats which i'm sure even people from pittsburgh have heard of uh, back back then you know yeah you know and so there's a lot of great clubs there and um but things have died off really and uh you know the clubs are disappearing there's really only like one peabody's or something that's kind of really the only like decent sized club left without house of blues and then you get into the real big stuff after that and um flats are gone now and it's sad uh, Cleveland isn't considered a good stop anymore among, when, for promoters and things like that, putting tours together. And, you know, like we hear all the time, whether it's us or bands like Unearth or Demi Borg or whatever that you mentioned, you know, like we can remember five years ago Cleveland being a great tour stop, but they come through now, you go see the guys or ask how the show was, and they're like, eh, it certainly wasn't like Pittsburgh was or like Detroit was or whatever. It's kind of – so that's that's sad that uh, it may be falling off a little bit like that. But, you know, hopefully people hear this and uh, really – rally together and start coming to see those metal shows again or maybe it just takes a full nationwide or worldwide you know breath of fresh air to get that stuff going again yeah you know would you would you define chimera's sound as is kind of metalcore is that uh, no i would I, I would definitely call us just heavy metal metalcore was definitely uh a brand that that came along after we had been going for a couple of years uh so it's got sort of like a subgenre, you know, how the deathcore thing, all that kind of stuff's going on. But uh, yeah, a lot of people refer to us as as metalcore, but we were around before that, and um, and just like to call ourselves heavy metal. Sure. Yeah, I, I have to admit, I frankly have been a, a metal fan probably as long as you've been on Earth. It, it sounds from the the timing of it all. And I grew up; it was just called metal. You know, we didn't mm-hmm. have death metal and grindcore and this core and that core, and it sometimes I think limits people, you know, because you're lumped into, you know, God forbid you're considered new metal, mm-hmm. or and you might as well just hang it up. So Yeah, don't have yeah and which we definitely were early on, uh, but, you know, it's, it's and it's only because we happened to come around at that time, you know. I mean, when we came around, that term, new metal, hadn't been created, but because of bands like us and the things that were happening at that time, we had that, we were definitely given that label, which we sure. did our best to shed immediately, uh, as quickly as we could. Yeah, yeah, it's wise. Now, you guys have done a series of Christmas shows. Um, can you talk a little bit about those? Are those special kind of shows, or just you just try to do a hometown show every year? Well, it just started um, early on, back in, like, 2000. We played, uh, like, the Odeon or something down here, like in the place I was mentioning, and, uh, you know, and then, then and it was right around Christmas time, and it was a cool show. And then the next year, it just happened to work out. We were home and did another Christmas show. And then come the third year, we're like, huh, this would be the third Christmas that we could be doing this. Let's try to make it an annual event. And uh, sure enough, uh, on December 30th of this year, here at the House of Blues in Cleveland, it'll be Khmer Christmas 11. And uh, so some time has passed. And, uh, yeah, it's it's just turned into a cool annual event. And um, if you haven't heard, uh, last year we did a huge filming of of Khmer Christmas 10, our 10th annual one, and uh, 14 cameras shot in HD, totally rad editing, all that kind of stuff. And it came out on our, our Coming Alive DVD that came out a couple months ago, which is a huge studio writing world tour documentary plus that uh Camille christmas 10 live show and an audio cd of of that live show and all 20 bucks on sale right now you can't beat it it's great excellent 
Now, um, you, speaking of DVDs, um, you've done a couple um, recently um, with, I believe it's Rockhouse guitar instructional DVDs. Yes, I do have a an instructional DVD with Rockhouse. Yes. Want to talk a little bit about like what kind of angle you took? I know those always seem to have certain players kind of talk about different things. What um, can, what could we expect from the Rob Arnold version? Uh, it's kind of meat and potatoes for for guys who are interested in. Um, you know, kind of improving their style a bit and, and technique because uh, those are the sort of things I focus on. I can't play like Ingbe or anything like that, and so I don't try to teach those things or play those things, you know. But uh, I, I talk a lot about just general riffing and um, and soloing, uh, things that a lot of guys are interested in and you need to have a good core foundation for to be able to do proficiently or, or to stand out in those areas. And then uh, also one of the more important things is that uh, I really talk a lot about songwriting, which for a lot of young musicians, um, you know, anybody could sit down and play a riff or play somebody else's riff or whatever. When it comes time to put that all together and try to write a, a quality song, it's not something that people could do just right off the bat. It takes experience um, and, and a little bit of know-how and a lot of experimentation. Uh, so I try to, uh, you know, shorten the road for guys by uh, showing them some of the tricks that I've learned over the years uh, in terms of successful songwriting. And, Really, it's a really cool uh, DVD that uh, I've gotten a lot of positive feedback on, and I'm um, looking forward to doing another one pretty soon, actually. Excellent. Now, um, as far as is guitar now, you, um, you, you, do you use a lot of like drop tunings and things like that? Yeah, we primarily play in drop C. Um, our first record was in drop A on seven strings, um, and then we played on drop C, in drop C for everything since, except for our latest record, The Infection. We have a couple tunes on there in uh, drop B. Okay, and as far as hardware-wise, you're using, um, I'm assuming you're using primarily your ESP signature model? Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, been using ESPs since uh, we started with them back in, like, 2000, and um, I swear by them. Yeah, and I do have uh, my, my, my ESP model, the RA600, um, that's available, and, uh, man, I stand by those. They're, they're absolutely perfect. Now, the one thing I noticed about the guitar, it's got one knob. Is that you're kind of doing volume only in the Eddie Van Halen mold there yeah, i just uh i never really found a a use for the tone knob and um you know i mean unless you're playing with your clean tone a lot or with very little distortion and doing a lot of that style playing uh in in metal to me there isn't just any use for a tone knob you know you want full gain you want your guitar screaming uh pretty much all the time so there's no reason to back the tone off and uh so i just got rid of that and um and i've actually moved my volume knob into that tone position which puts it a little farther away from the bridge but it was good for me and i noticed for a lot of players as well because sometimes your pinky will uh while you're playing uh will hit that knob and do something to it you don't want it to do so um i just moved that out of the way and it's worked great it's a feature i think a lot of people have actually said they really liked now are you um still using the pv 6505 sure am yep another uh item i stand by uh wholeheartedly great tone Great company, uh, you know you can't go wrong. Obviously, everybody's using them, and um, they're great at solid. I, it's funny how uh, I think PV sometimes gets overlooked. I mean, other than obviously Eddie Van Halen helping to kind of put them back on the map with the fifty-one fifty, obviously. But it seemed like for a lot of years, no one would go anywhere near a PV amplifier. But it's good to see. Yeah, it was, it was like a crate, you know. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, Eddie certainly made a name for that uh, for sure. And now. You know, I think like in that the Ozfest 2003 we did, I think every band on our stage was using PV uh, 5152s. You know, or just when 6505s are coming out, so definitely super popular in, in our genre. Yeah. Now, um, have you guys started the follow-up for the Infection record yet? 
Uh, yeah, we have. Uh, probably got about, uh, I don't know, it might be up to like 14 tunes written now. Um, just skeletons. Um, haven't really started working a lot on vocals or anything like that. At least not that I know of. Maybe I'm sure Mark has in his mind and maybe he has at home, but um, uh, nothing that I've heard yet. And um, yeah, as soon as, um, but we're, as soon as this uh, Blue Collar Borrow Tour is over, um, which is right around Jan- uh, December 5th or 6th, uh, we're going to just get into total crunch mode and um, really develop these tunes and uh, get through Christmas and the uh, Christmas show and then uh, hit the studio in uh, mid-January and uh, hope to be done by maybe March 1st and have a uh, hope shoot for a late spring, early summer release. Yeah, which would be great just in time for all the big summer tours. Well, yeah. Rob, I want to thank you for taking time out of your schedule. I know you guys are getting ready to go on the road, but I want to thank you for taking the time to come on and talk to us here in Pittsburgh. No worries, John. Uh, we're looking forward to uh, making it out there and hope everybody can make it out that night. All right, thank you. All right, cool. All right, there you have it, Rob Arnold from Chimera. I want to remind you again, Opus One Productions and IronCityRocks.com present Chimera with special guest Impending Doom, Doth. This is the Apocalypse and Hollow Point on Sunday, November 28th, Mr. Small's Theater. You can get more information at OpusOneProductions.com or you can go to IronCityRocks.com and we'll get you a link there too as well. Uh, tickets still available and it should be a great night of, uh, we don't want to call it Metalcore as, as you heard Rob say, but we could call it metalcore. Uh, a lot of great bands on the bill, and you certainly should get your money's worth, and you can uh, burn off some of that turkey aid on the holiday. So hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>